Welcome to the Winning Edge Investments Podcast. Winning Edge Investments provides industry-leading horse racing and sports betting tips, ratings and education, enabling you to invest intelligently and treat your betting like a business. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com to learn more about how you can start to supercharge your betting bank immediately. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. Today we're joined by Tasmanian jockey Jason Maskeel, a former top Victorian apprentice rider and still in many eyes one of the most talented riders in the country. Thanks for coming to the show, Jason. No worries. Thanks very much. Firstly, congratulations on the successful return to riding in Victoria. That must be really satisfying. Yeah, it's very satisfying. It's um, this is the place where I wanted to, to obviously come back and um, and get back to hopefully where I was before. And um, yes, yeah, everything's going really nicely at the moment. So tell us where you're basing yourself at the moment in Victoria. Uh, I'm based at Trafalgar, which is probably an hour and a half out of the city uh, in Gippsland. Uh, just good for my head out here and. Um, and it's nice and quiet and, uh, yeah, beautiful place. Uh, you walk down the street, everyone says hello, and, um, yeah, I, I really like that side of it. Uh, we're in the city, I guess. Uh, it's pretty hard to get boo out of someone. <laughs> <laughs> do you like having that laid-back lifestyle or do you want to get back riding in the city soon? Um, I know there'd be more opportunities uh, if I went towards the city, um, but the opportunities wouldn't be there if um, if I wasn't right mentally, and I think that's... That's the reason why I stay out here, and uh, if I'm right mentally, then everything else should follow. Yep. So let's give listeners some background on your career. Um, you're from a very well-known racing family. Your daddy's former champion, Tasmanian jockey, Stephen Maskeel. I assume that's how you got into the industry? Yeah, was, uh, he's the only one on, on my father's side that's in racing, um, and then on the other side, uh, my mother's side, uh, my pop and my auntie are still trainers now and, and my cousin's a jockey and, and my little brother and my uncle. So there's plenty of uh, racing on, on my mum's side. And your brother Kyle made a recent return to riding in Tasmania, didn't he? Yeah, he has. He's been back for four meetings now. I think he's had four winners. He's going really, really well and uh, he's very, very talented. And, um, yeah, obviously his weight's the, the bit of the issue. Um but once he gets that settled, I think uh, he'll go to bigger and better things. And your dad's still very involved in the industry and coaches local apprentices? Yeah, he still teaches apprentice school. Um, and him and his wife uh, just train one horse. Um, yeah, they, he really enjoys uh, teaching the apprentices and uh, yeah, he does a good job at it. So tell us about the early days and how you progressed to becoming Victoria's leading apprentice in 2009-2010. Uh, in that season, you finished only behind Luke Nolan in the Riders' Premiership, and he was obviously backed by the very powerful Peter Moody stable back then. Describe that part of your career. Yeah, it was. Uh, I guess I grew up in a racing family, but I didn't so necessarily learn how to ride till late. Uh, I learned how to ride when I was probably sixteen, and uh, probably oh, be only about nine months later after I learned how to ride, I was pretty much riding in races. Uh, happened very quickly. Uh, went went really well uh, in Tasmania. Had a couple of nice apprentices around me at that time with Justin Hamer and Daniel Gandon, who went on. Um, then, yeah, I had the opportunity uh, on a horse called Pindari Prince uh, from Tasmania. I rang him up and said, I claim three in the city. He goes, oh, if you claim three, then more than happy to put you on. And uh, went to the races to Mooney Valley and 
Uh, then I got a phone call that, that morning from Robert Lang. Uh, he said, I don't know who you are. I don't know how you ride, but I know your father. So can you ride our horse <laughs> uh, called a Wimbleway? And I was like, yeah, no worries. And, uh, yeah, and I was lucky enough to, to win on the horse on my first day in Melbourne. So uh, it all ventured on from there. And you were riding for some pretty big stables such as Mick Price? Yeah, Mick Price, that's who I went to apprentice to. Uh, he was very good. He had a very good stable at that time and uh, he put a lot of trust in, my, trust in myself. And uh, at the time I had him and Robert Smyrn, they were probably my two main um, trainers at that time. Um, yeah, and uh, everyone else was uh, really supportive. And obviously it's like anything, if you're going well, uh, everyone tries to get on the train, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, they were very helpful. What was the best horse you rode from those stables? I probably would go outside them and, and talk Peter Moody. I rode Hinchinbrook for him in the in the oh, new wow. market against Black Caviar, and uh, he pretty much just told me to stay out of the way, really. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, which was good, and he, he went on to be a super stallion before he passed away. Uh, I guess it wasn't a hard job to stay out of the way of Black Caviar? No, I, I didn't realise how good she was until I rode against her. Um Obviously, you can watch it and you don't know who you're against, but uh, for a really good horse like Hinchinbrook and to to feel at that time, probably about the six, seven, I remember like that I was travelling really well and to look over and he hadn't moved and put about three on me um, was until that point, I didn't realise how good she was. And she's obviously a superstar and it just amazed me how how much she could quicken and lengthen her stride and, and put him away how quickly. Yep, an amazing racehorse. Um, so we've touched on some highs of your career. Tell us about where things started to go downhill when you recorded a positive drug test in 2011 and then again in 2013. I probably rode I was, I was, I for four years straight and didn't have a break and then it, it just cooked me mentally and, and at that time I had a really good friend pass away in Ben Smith um, and I was told by the people around me to, to continue to ride and work through that. So I didn't deal with that very well. Um, then I started to touch um, certain drugs like cocaine and then it led to it, you know, obviously spiralling out of control on that, which led to uh, someone coming in the house, uh, a friend at the time, um, said, I have this, didn't know what it was, um, uh, yeah, and tried uh, methamphetamine and, yeah, and went to the races, I think, three, two, Two or three days later, um, and returned a yeah went there. I think a chuka, I think it was, and returned a positive. That was the first time. Then, uh, yeah, I went into well, I got suspended. I think for twelve months, um, and with a person who has money at the time and and doesn't have anything to do, I guess you you hit the the drugs even harder because uh, obviously you didn't have any commitments in life or. Um, yeah, we really spiral out of control that time because I probably went from using it here and there to being a full addict. Um, obviously, cause, yeah, it was so. Uh, then I cleaned myself up. It was actually Ben Smith's uh, mother, Vicky Ryan. I, I rang her one day and said, if I keep going the way I'm going, I'm going to end up in jail here. And so I went to her house and, and cleaned up, and she was fully supportive. and uh, then I got back riding track work, uh, then went on to the races, had my first ride back for her and uh, and rode a winner, which was sensational. Went for about 10 months. Um, I remember getting suspended 
five weeks or, or something like that. And uh, then, again, had no commitments and, and touched the drug again and uh, then spiraled out of control, like, quickly. Like, um, as soon as I had that one touch of it again and uh, fell straight back into it, then went to the races and returned another positive uh, before having four years off. You were 23 years old at that time. Did it feel like that was the end of your career and you wouldn't ride again? Uh, yeah, I never thought I'd ride again. Um, I never really, for some reason, I never missed the sport um, for a good three, three, probably three years. Um, and that's when it really got bad. And uh, I was living at my uh, pop's stable there. Because obviously oh, I, I, I had a house in Yarraville. I, I blew that house and spent it all on drugs. and uh, So I, I really hit rock bottom. Um, but in a strange way, that still wasn't rock bottom yet uh, until I was raided by the police one day and that was the point that, that woke me up and, uh, and I got back working as a barman and with a good friend, Matthew Stringer. He helped me out and, uh, yeah, it was from that point, I said to him one day, I probably worked there for two months, and I said to him, I go, oh, I'm thinking about making a comeback. And he said, gee, you took long enough. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, I came back riding, and, um, yeah, Kevin Ring in, in Tasmania, he, he pushed hard for me to get my licence back and with the stewards, and they allowed it. And, yeah, I've been back, and... And my fir- one of my first winners back was for the person, who, Matthew Stringer, who got me back on the straight and narrow. So it was a special moment. Um, yeah, and everything's – life couldn't be any more perfect at the moment. Many top sports people have addictive personalities. There must be a really fine line between that being a negative and a positive um, and going one way or the other. Yeah, I, I, I look at it like um, the biggest thing I've learned was uh, knowing, knowing yourself um, – and what triggers and, and what leading up to that point, uh, I know myself now, is uh, I get to a point that if I ride a winner and I have no emotion from that winner, that's when I have to go on a, a break or just a 10-day getaway with the wife um, and just to refresh. If I keep going past that, then that's just when um, negativity comes, so to speak. So it's all about knowing yourself and, uh, and just learning your, your triggers. Winning Edge Investments is an independent provider of tips, ratings, and betting education on horse racing and sports, recruiting only the best full-time professional punters and expert analysts. Does your tipping service offer transparent posting of results every day using an achievable odds recording method? Do they offer a 120-page betting education pack with every membership? And do they provide a profit guarantee, loyalty bonus credits, refer-a-friend bonuses, and special insider discounts to valued members? If not, head over to winningedgeinvestments.com for a different, better experience. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. You're one of very few people we hear who come out the other side of that drug. Um, Do you see yourself as an inspiration to others to kick the habit as well? Yeah, I uh, I talked to a, with a group uh, called Better Mental in the Gippsland, and we obviously were shut down at the moment with the COVID. But I try and do as many things as I can. Um, I, it doesn't matter if I, I don't help someone at, at that session, but if I help one person out of my whole time doing that, uh, then I've, I've achieved something, and um, which is great. So 
I, I'm a big, big supporter of it. Uh, you can see my skivvy I wear most race meetings, either mindfulness uh, or better mental is written on it. Um, yeah, big supporter. And, um, yeah, I do enjoy that because I think it's – you take a lot more from a person who, who has used before um, rather than a psychologist, so to speak, uh, trying to tell you for, for some weird reason, even though they know more, it's, uh, they listen to that person who's been through the experience. And I'd imagine you'd be getting a very good response from the people out there and they're very appreciative of the time you spend with them. Yeah, so it's been really super. I, uh, I, I enjoy it and, um, yeah, it's good to, to hear their stories and, and have a bit of a, a giggle um, saying, you know, this is how bad it can get. And and hearing some of their stories uh, just reminds you of a lot of things. But um, I think the, the best part is just to reassure them that it's it's normal to, to continue to have them thoughts. And I know myself, I still have think about it most days. It's just you, you choose not to. Yeah. Um, you choose not to um, go on with it. What's the one biggest piece of advice you'd give to these people? Is it that support is there and there's people like you who are living proof that they can kick the drug? Yeah, it's definitely support. For some reason, um, drug users, we think um, to get help, we have to have money, which is not the, not right at all. Um, there's a lot of NA and AA meetings uh, that are free around all, all communities in, in well, Australia-wide, and I find I nearly get more out of them meetings than I did uh, any other meetings just because every person is all trying to recover together. Um, and you can choose whether you, you want to talk uh, they go around the room if you would like to talk or you don't want to share. It's um, you can just sit in and uh, yeah, I, I'm a big supporter of that. Addiction is something that is prevalent in all walks of life these days, and the racing industry is certainly not immune. What advice do you have for those in the industry who might be struggling with drug use or mental health issues? Yeah, mental health it's definitely a, a big thing. At the, um, spe- well, going with. Our racing industry, uh, Lisa Stevens, who's a big supporter of mine, and helped me out a lot. She just reminded me, she goes, a good career in racing is 10%. So you've got to think nine out of them 10 times you're going to the races, you're going to come over a loser. So it's quite hard. When you put it like that, it's it's quite a hard industry to, to keep upbeat about and continue marching forward. But uh, hopefully them 10% of winners outweigh that, that 90%. Is it something you've taken upon yourself to give support to others in the industry? Yeah, I, I have a lot of people um, message me if, if either their friend or someone in the racing is uh, they think he's on the verge of it um, and what advice or help um, and try and steer them in the right direction. Sometimes I find myself, because I'm quite open about it, uh, people will talk to me quite openly um, because you know it. I won't judge because well, I've been there. So um, I think that's the biggest thing. A lot of people think if they open their mouth for advice um, or help, they feel like they're judged, um, which they're not at all. It sounds like being open and honest has been a huge part of your recovery. Yeah, I um, I think you just got to be a realist. Um, um, like I always say, oh, people can blame uh you know, I didn't get on this horse, so I cracked it and went and done that. But at the end of the day, I still made the decisions. And until you start taking responsibility for your own actions and, and want to get help yourself, um, I don't think you can move forward unless 
you're either got to hate the drug or you have to love something twice as much um, to overpower the drug. It's definitely an inspiring story. A lot of people will look at you and see there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, it was, uh, actually, we had a chat in the jockey's room today about it and uh, they were saying there's, there's not many people that have got off that drug. But we don't really hear of many of them stories because in racing, not many really had that. So um, there is actually a lot of stories out there and a lot of people I know have been uh, so for years and uh, and continuously still go to their NA meetings just to remind them of themselves, um, where they were and where they are now. So how long have you been back in the saddle now? Uh, been back riding for three years, uh, been clean about three and a half. So, um, yeah, it was just, yeah, I come back in, in Tasmania. I was uh, working for my grandfather and, uh, and auntie in Longford there in Tasmania. Um, yeah, I was, I was surprised at how well I was uh, welcomed back by a lot of people in, in the racing and uh, we're a very forgiving sport. And yeah, they were fantastic. So it was, like I said, it was it was just great to get back and uh, try to roll winners again. So you made your comeback in Tassie, but you also had a stint in Darwin. Yeah. So the whole reason why I went to Darwin was um, I in Tasmania I uh, was beating the the drug, and but I was around my support system, um, and I wanted to go to Darwin, which uh, another smaller spot, but to do it away from my family before I moved to, to Victoria just to prove that I could do it. Yep. Um, yeah, so I did two months up there and, uh, yeah, had, had a lot of success up there and a beautiful place. I absolutely love it up there. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just a, a really good uh, atmosphere up there before moving to Victoria. And you said you had quite a deal of support from within the industry. Do you still find that you need to work twice as hard to get put on some horses? You said the industry can be quite forgiving, but do you still feel – the support from the stables? Uh, there'd be some stables, I guess, that still have the, the query over it. Um, but I think a lot of people know how well I'm going just because of how open I am and uh, and how freely I talk about it. Uh, yeah, and, and keep reminding myself of uh, it is my, my job. Uh, it's not my life, so to speak. And, and once I separated them two, um, I've been a lot better. And yeah, look, everything's going good at the moment, and I'm getting good support. Charlotte Littlefield, um, she's been a good supporter. Wendy Kelly and Peter Gallagher, they're my main three. I noticed you also rode a horse for Godolphin recently, so that must have been a, a real boost to get support from them. Yeah, it was huge um, to get that opportunity and and run a place on their horse. Um, yeah, it was it was good. I used to ride from when I was apprentice and. I love to ride for, for people that I used to as apprentice and and to get their trust back enough to, to put me back on again. You're also managed by a former jockey and media personality, Dean Pettit. I'd imagine he would be a great mentor and source of guidance for you. Yeah, he's been really good. Um, I said to him when he first met, I said, I, I just want to try and get rides in town and get them opportunity. I said, I don't care if it's 100 to 1 on a Saturday. I'm, I'm happy to sacrifice six or seven rides in this in the country uh, to ride that one horse that gets my name in the city. And so that's been our aim from from the, when he's had me. And, uh, yeah, I think we've had four or five, no, four or five city winners since. So um, he's been fantastic and he's very good at um, teaching me the, the one percenters about uh, ringing this trainer or, or doing this and, uh, the, the form and how they look at it and uh, just finding he's made me go that uh, extra level. 
who is the jockey you looked up to in the early days and uh, who is it now? Is there anyone in the jockey's room you lean on for support? Oh, really? I get along with everyone pretty well. I don't so much lean on anyone for support. I, I admire people um, with their worth ethic and and how they read a race. I'm, I'm more thrive on that. Uh, obviously, Damien Ollie is just elite. Uh, and then you look at the other side of it where Craig Williams is, he's elite with the form side of it. So, um, you, you try and take as many, um, you try and ask them as many questions as you can and, uh, and try and learn something from it. And we're only recently into a new season. Have you set yourself some goals or things you want to tick off? Yeah, I try and ride more city winners this year than, than last. I think that's, that's my aim at this point. And, um, yeah, it just obviously would be nice to, to jag a nice horse, but we're all looking for that. Um, but yeah, I, I find that's that's my aim for this year. Is there a horse you've ridden recently that you think could reach that city level or that you've got your eye on for the bigger races? Yeah, a little horse uh, that I went on on Wednesday called High Risk. Yep. Um, yeah, she's, she's a little jet. And to go from a maiden to a benchmark 70 and, and winning in the city um, on a Wednesday, uh, all in one prep. I think she's got a, a bright future. And also Blanford Lad, I think he's a, a really nice horse. He's he's a bit quirky, and but when he's on, he's he's got a very good uh, turn of foot. Yeah, that's great. Uh, great to hear you getting on some nice horses. Um, so before I let you go, I heard you're also writing a book. Uh, tell us about that and how's it coming along? Yes, uh, I've been writing a, a book for a while. Uh, it's more more journal kind of side of it. Um, I wrote it the whole way through the um, my bad times. I guess I've written it for six or seven years. I've just been writing parts. Um, yeah, it's just just to show what emotions I was going through and what my thought processes were, were at that time. So, yeah, it's called Writing the Addiction. And, um, yeah, hopefully um, I get a person that can write it a lot better than I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll be an interesting read, mate. Um We've well, certainly been through some ups and downs in your career and um, you've thankfully came out the other side of one of the biggest battles anyone could face up against. Uh, so best of luck in the future, Jason, and thanks for the chat, mate. A lot of people out there looking forward to seeing you get amongst it again in the big races. No, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. At Winning Edge Investments, our team of highly skilled expert analysts and full-time professional punters review the data, crunch the figures, assess the best betting opportunities, and deliver them to your phone via our app and your email inbox in real time so you profit. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com, look at our membership options, make your choice, and enter the promo code PODCAST to receive a special 25% discount on your first membership just for listening. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T in capital letters for a 25% ongoing discount on your first membership. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments.